The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line now we have the current MP for Western Victoria, Beverly MacArthur. Good morning. Good morning, Mitch. First of all, we were just talking to Simon Ramsey about the state of regional road infrastructure, and he mentioned that some of the um, the new sections of the duplicated highway between here and Colac are already starting to show signs of wear and tear, even though they're relatively new pieces of road. I'm just wondering, is that your experience driving on them probably on a regular basis? Oh, totally, Mitch. Um, I am just appalled at the fact that it seems we can't build roads here any longer. Uh, especially in southwest Victoria, uh, they not only in the duplicated highways, but they repair uh, regional roads that they're responsible for, the state government. And in within months, they're falling apart again. I can go just about anywhere and find roads in shocking uh, state of disrepair. And I did highlight one, the Lismore-Scarsdale Road, which uh, since I've been in Parliament, and Simon would remember this also, um, it started off as a 100-kilometre road, and most of it is 100 kilometres, uh, but there are sections that have gone down to 80, then 60, and now it's down to 40. Now, all they have to do is repair the roads and repair them properly. Putting um, uh, speed limit signs on roads is no recipe for fixing the roads. You know, we are so disadvantaged in rural Victoria outside the tram tracks of Melbourne. As I said, how would this uh, go if this if if roads were like this in, in urban Melbourne? Nobody would put up with it for a minute. Uh, they'd be saying it was incredibly dangerous. They'd fix it in, in five minutes. So it is shocking what we have to put up with in country Victoria. Why are the roads that are relatively new, like, for example, that highway yeah. duplication, why are they breaking up so quickly? Is it because they don't foresee the weather situation or the amount of trucks using it or something like that? Uh, I, I don't. I think their their contractors are uh, obviously second rate. Or they. I once said, my toaster's got a better guarantee than than a, a regional road. When the when the state government involved in building these roads, uh, there there does seem to be no guarantee on the work of new road building, um, and I find this extraordinary. And and I don't think there's any excuse. We all know what the traffic is going to be on these major roads. Uh, we all know about the weather. Goodness me, in the Northern Hemisphere, they're under snow and ice for half the year. Uh, you know, that can be no excuse in Australia, especially in Victoria. And somehow or another, if you go across the border into New South Wales or South Australia, the roads are okay. Um, but this area is known for its very bad roads. And I don't know, they don't seem to come up with any viable excuse. And there should be none in this day and age because the amount of money that is spent on this, and don't even start me on the wire rope barriers, which I think are totally unnecessary in most areas. Um, the COVID situation that we find ourselves in now, lockdown six, only nine days between lockdown five and lockdown six. Was this lockdown in any way avoidable? Because you look at the uh, situation in New South Wales where they're having new case numbers in the 300s. Is that what would happen here if we didn't have these lockdowns? Well, Mitch, as you know, I'm not a fan of lockdowns. I never have been. Um, and if you're, if you're absolutely insisting on having them, they should be in totally uh, distinct areas where the, where the cases are. 
you know, if we if we can actually prove all this works. But to lock down the entire state, what have we got today? 11 cases or something is mm-hmm. a nonsense. I think the costs the the costs of mental illness of loss of livelihood loss of jobs the fact that people can't can't get sorry continue uh, they can't get um hospital treatment or medical treatment that they should be having um because you know that's all put on hold effectively the mental illness uh, scenario in this whole business is shocking. Older people I know that are isolated in their homes or in nursing homes or in hospitals, what is the point of living in this scenario? So I, I think they are totally avoidable um, and uh, it's just appalling that the whole of uh, rural and regional Victoria is locked down for a, a f- some cases which have yeah, they've got to do something about it. But goodness me, we're going to have to live with this virus perhaps for years. Uh, we can't just keep doing this. Uh, there isn't enough. They can't keep printing money to, to pay for the fact that people can't work or they've, they've, their businesses have gone. It's just not acceptable. The Premier, of course, says if we didn't have lockdowns, he says all sorts of things, like imagine uh, people that you love the most dearly in hospital struggling to breathe on a ventilator. Imagine having, uh, I suppose, skyrocketing new cases every day. Imagine having deaths in Victoria. I mean, are those sort of consequences worth it to be out of lockdown? Well, he's the master of fear, doom and gloom. And, you know, if his health system cannot cope after this amount of time with some... I don't think there's anybody in hospital at the moment or very few if there are, um, then there's something wrong with the health system and he ought to sack the health minister or resign himself because clearly we've learned how to treat this. Nobody else in the world is embarking on this lockdown scenario. I read something about Wuhan the other day where it's, just, where it's uh, you know, the cases have escalated again. They're not locking down the whole country uh, because of some cases, even in China, and, and they could probably do it with ease. Uh, so I don't accept all that doom and gloom. And then he, you know, he puts the fear of God in you to say that, you know, don't go and visit your mother because you'll kill her. Well, actually, she might well die of isolation um, because what is the point of living? If your your uh, elderly relative is in hospital, and I know many, uh, or in a nursing home, and they're locked in their room, what, how, how terrible is that? What are the consequences of that? Um, you know, people die on the roads every day. We haven't banned cars yet. Um, in terms of the uh, easing of restrictions, I suppose you're hoping that uh, maybe on Thursday, even if they can't ease the overall lockdown, that maybe there's some reprieve for regional Victoria that we can perhaps have almost no restrictions or at least go back maybe to having some sort of stage three lockdown instead of this very aggressive stage four that we're in at the moment. Of course. I I don't see why rural and regional Victoria should be in this situation at all. Uh, and most of Melbourne shouldn't be either. I mean, you, you only have to be in the CBD or even in country towns and everywhere. The businesses that have had to shut their doors permanently is just criminal. What's the cost of that? I, you know, I, I find this approach totally unacceptable uh, and, and I'll, I'll fight against it at every opportunity.
Do you have any thoughts on the vaccine rollout? Because, again, it seems like there's a challenge for people to actually find appointments, the people that want it. There was a drive-through clinic, I think, set up this morning. They were already booked out for the month. But there's also been talk about incentivising people. I know the uh, City of Melbourne is offering incentives for people to get vaccinated, and the Federal Labor Party suggests giving people $300 if they get the vaccine. What do you think overall about the vaccine rollout, and could some of those incentives work? Well... I don't agree with the financial incentives, but I, the greatest incentive you could have to get a vaccine is freedom. That should be at the end of the line for people that are vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated. And, you know, what what incentive is there for people to get vaccinated if you're going to be caught up in a lockdown or, or any other restriction? So, you know, if you're, if you're going to encourage everybody to get fully vaccinated, then give them some incentive. And that is no more lockdowns, no more border closures. Stop taking away our liberty and freedom and let us get on with life and let us do business. Let us trade, you know, let us earn a good living and, and stop all this nonsense of keeping us locked in our houses. What? Obviously, the virus won't spread if everybody is locked in their houses. But what happens when you're you can't you're out of your house? You can't keep people locked in their houses forever. Now, the Lord's Prayer in State Parliament. I see there was a push by Fiona Patton to remove the Lord's Prayer from State Parliament. You responded by saying uh, that shouldn't be the main consideration of Parliament in the middle of a pandemic. The response back was, "Well, we can walk and chew gum at the same time." Do you think that the Lord's Prayer should continue to be part of the State Parliament? Well, as I said, uh, Mitch, it's the Lord's Prayer today. What is it tomorrow? And you know. I wasn't surprised to find that some historic um, artefacts were in the process of being removed and, I was told, put into safe storage. What? In the Parliament. So this whole business of sort of cancelling our history and our heritage and removing all artefacts of, you know, what was important in the past, which I think is important to the future. And, And... you know, it, it, she, Ms. Fiona Patton is the one person that kept voting with the government to give them increased emergency powers. She voted the other day to ensure that we couldn't get uh, the documentation that justifies these lockdowns. She continually um, votes with the government to restrict our freedoms and liberties. And yet she's saying to people uh, that this prayer that's been in the Westminster system since the 16th century uh, is the most important thing she could advocate for at a time when she's just helped destroy thousands of businesses and livelihoods. Sorry, I don't accept her argument and I, I don't accept that we, we have to keep uh, removing all vestiges of history uh, I mean, they, they are important. We can recognise them. Uh, she doesn't come into the chamber to hear the Lord's Prayer, so good honour. Um, you know, that everybody has their choice of being in the chamber or not being in the chamber. Um, you know, that that's fine. I mean, we're 40 MPs in the upper house. We meet, you know, for a relatively short number of days in a year. Uh, for goodness sake, is this the most important thing she could come up with at this time? 
A lot of debate about development, particularly in the wake of uh, the battle for Kerengamite. And I know that um, Stephanie Ash has started to talk about development and uh, Libby Koch has jumped on talking about development. And it seemed like this development in Port Arlington popped up at the exact time that uh, federally uh, the candidates started to talk about development. And uh, I think Gail Tierney and Libby Coker have both come out and said that they're against this proposed development in Port Arlington. What do you make of this debate around development, particularly playing out perhaps at a federal level? as well as state now well you know i found it totally hypocritical of gail tierney uh to get on this band populist band wagon of of banning development she has been totally absent without leave in the business of the waste that was going to be dumped in Bacchus Marsh. Who knows? It may still well be. Seem to We seem to have got a slight reprieve. She's totally AWOL on the Western Victorian transmission line, which is going to, um, you know, cut a swathe through prime agricultural uh, land and, and affect huge environmental assets of the state. Not a word. Never been seen. So here, what? She can pop up and oppose a private sector development in Port Arlington, but she's got nothing to say when you want to dump toxic waste in Bacchus Marsh or or put uh, towers across people's private property, the height of the MCG lights. Sorry, I don't accept her position. I think it's outrageous. And if she wants to ban development in Port Arlington, then come out with me uh, across the whole area of Western Victoria uh, and argue about the Western Victorian transmission line that her government are totally supporting uh, and uh, above ground that will decimate huge areas. Um, and come out to Bacchus Marsh with me. I've, I've been there addressing 2,000 people. Not a sight nor sound of Gail Tierney, Jala Pulford, uh, Michaela Settle, any of them. But it's easy to go and slam uh, a private sector development in Port Arlington. And just last of all, the energy fairness legislation and uh your opposition is saying that the government's killed off the jobs of a thousand salespeople. Is that a good thing if you don't have people knocking on your door anymore trying to sell you a better energy deal? Well, uh, uh, no, I, of course, the coalition opposed this energy fairness bill. What a misnomer. Uh, there was nothing fair about it. You want to you destroy the livelihoods of, you know, a thousand people or more? Uh, there are so many rules and regulations around uh, selling products these days. Uh, And, you know, there are very few complaints as well. But the industry itself was not consulted. Now, you want to close down an industry without any sort of consultation is just appalling. And uh, there's nothing fair about this bill. The government loved putting up these titles for bills, energy fairness bill. Who could have thought there was anything wrong with that? Well, there was nothing fair about it. Uh, And, you know, don't then come talking uh, to us all about how we need more, we need uh, jobs for people. You know, if you you want to close down industries, then at least consult properly with the industry. They had no consultation at all involved in this proposal. This is just, you know slamming a door shut for no good reason. Well, thanks so much for being on the program and uh, talk to you next month. Thanks, Mitch. Bye. Western Victoria MP Beverly MacArthur with us there. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. 
Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's front page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.